Welcome to Gimme Some Truth. I'm Kevin Castro, your podcast producer, and your hosts are Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, and Jonathan Jordan of Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. This podcast series is dedicated to illuminating some of the darkness around conflicts of interest and motivations in the financial planning industry, as well as current events and investment concepts. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today we are joined by a special guest here in the office that uh, knows quite a bit about the Madison and Dane County real estate scene. So we're going to be talking about real estate this morning. Um, in the booth, we have Clint Walkner and Mitch as well from our office. And our guest is Charlie Wills. So thanks for joining us today, Charlie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Clint, why don't you give the uh, listeners a little bit of background on why we thought it was a good idea to bring Charlie in? Well, he's handsome and he's tall and uh, <laughs> he's a former radio. badger, right? No. Um, and uh, he's been around the real estate market for how many years now, Charlie? Fifteen years. Wow. Fifteen years. Yeah. Grizzled Whoa. veteran. Grizzled veteran. That's, That's right. Very Jamie so, Moyer. So he's seen he's seen good markets, bad markets, and otherwise. So um, today we really want to kind of focus on, you know, what the market is in general, how to succeed on kind of a hot market, a market that. Is, is frankly probably fairly difficult for buyers and sellers because it is so hot, and some of the uh, strategies and tips that they might that you might have to uh, make sure that they're as successful as they possibly can be. Actually, this is a really good lead-in that the market is difficult for everybody. Um, it is great for the seller because of the uh, the terms that tend to happen, but the difficulty is that there's the misconception that people think that they can get away with not doing the basics. And what I mean by that is clean your house. That's a simple one, right? Take good photos. Um, staging is missed in a lot of the market right now because people are like, I can just snap one with my iPhone and take a bunch of pictures and someone's going to buy it. And that may have happened early on, but now people are like, I'm not even going to look at it if it has terrible photos. Now you're hurting yourself. So what we're telling people is spend the time, spend the money, um, organize yourself. And what we tend to do is we go above and we say, we have a stager on staff. So we hired uh, Heather about six years ago. And so what she does is she does per hour, she comes in and she actually goes through the house step by step and says, here's all the things uh, that you need to do. Here, clean out your closets. Oh, that's a purple wall as an accent wall. That's not going to fly. Right? That needs to be more neutral with all the other neutral colors or cool colors that you have in the house. So she just steps through that process for you and really helps you get prepared. Right, You may have too much furniture in one room. How do you know that? Right, You love all that furniture, but that's not what a buyer sees. They see clutter when they come into the property. So again, it can get you can get really late. I, I call it lazy. It's not intentionally that you're trying to be lazy. You just by happenstance, you see what's happening in the market and you think, well, I don't really have to do that. Right, I'm going to maximize still on my dollars and I don't have to work as hard. I think that's a misconception. Everybody that we're having do that work, we're selling um, at the highest percentage list to sale price ratio that I've ever been a part of. Uh, we're in the 98 to 99% list to sale price ratio. And I think that's because some of the stuff we have is um, like land and condo sales tend to be a little lower than single family homes are at, 
I would say 99 to 105 uh, over ask. So it, it's pretty expansive in, in terms of the, uh, the change. Well, we sold our house about a year and a half ago, and uh, and Charlie was our realtor for full disclosure. And, um, you know, we had the stager come in, and I think that, that was a great experience that we had uh, because there was a lot of things we never would have thought of, um, you know, that she told us to remove some things. And, you know, you feel in one way that you're taking some personality out of the house because you take down the pictures of your loved ones, but you also have to have the person that walks through the door, the couple that walk through the door in our house, feel like they actually live there. And if you have pictures of everybody in your whole family there, they don't feel like it's their potential home. And so I thought that was the most interesting thing I thought about the whole mm. staging process is remove some of that and take take a little bit of the personality out of the house just so that you can have the person feel like it's theirs. And that's uh, I'm glad you brought that up because um, it's, it's really nice for me to be able to hear that because I can think as much as I want that perception. But if I don't have somebody sharing it, uh, especially with the public right now, is that it's really good to hear that feedback because uh, we feel that it's so, so important. And I, th I think why the applications like House, Pinterest, et cetera, are so popular is because people can find themselves in that moment, in that image. And that's what we're trying to create when we do staging. So I, I th we want to keep with that theme. I'm hearing a lot about some of the internal things about the staging process. Could you talk a little bit about external of the house? So I'm thinking of curb appeal, right? You, you drive down the street and you just see the house from the outside. What are some of the things on the staging process that are taken care of externally? Yeah, uh, keeping the property up um, it, it, during your snow days. You got, you got to clean your sidewalks. Got to make sure that, that there is... Um, Everything's cleaned up, so sand or salt on there, right? Uh, exterior, uh, exterior. if you have holidays, make sure that you're taking the time during the holidays to prep for those specific items. Don't make it over the top for, like, the Christmas holiday. Um, there's too many different people who have too, too, too many different religions. So just make it festive, but don't just have it blow people away when they come in the door. They're not coming to Santa Claus's home, right? They're, they're supposed to be in the festive mood, but just not get hit in the face with all the glitter and everything else that's going on. So we just try to say, be tasteful on those things. And your exterior, mow your lawn, cut your bushes back. Uh, if you got flower beds, de-weed them. If you haven't touched your mulch in five years and it looks like I can see the, the underlayment of your, um, it's your cloth that lays down, right? Your landscaping cloth. I don't want to see that, right? So just cleaning all those really simple stuff. I kind of take the outside because I know everything on the exterior with all of our experience uh, in the business. I can say what that roughly is going to cost you to do, right? I know how much mulch is going to cost per, um, they don't do it per bag. You know, I know you can buy it at Home Depot for the bag, but they tend to do it by the, um, by, by the pound, right? And they do by tons. So when you're ordering it, you say, I need so many cubic feet of and then just drop it off in your driveway. Um, biggest things too for exterior, look at your paint. Um, people don't really pay attention to the, the trim around your door, your garages, uh, all the areas that you're going to physically see when you walk through, clean them up. Your garage, super easy to sweep a garage out, stack boxes, hang things where they need to be hung. If you got, um, you know, swimsuit edition calendars and models up on the wall, probably not what you want to have, right, in your garage. Take them down. Okay. Just all those little things, like from an appeal, like you said, just make them want to be there. So prep a little bit. And uh, we, we actually give quite a bit of advice of spending some of that money that sometimes feels fleeting. Like, why am I spending $1,000 in landscaping when I'm going to sell my property and the market's super hot? Well, 
because somebody's going to discount it and not give you as m- you, you want to maximize how many buyers are actually going to make you an offer. So now it's not just selling it with one offer. Can I get you six? So if I can get you to do, spend a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars to fix your house up, I'm going to I'm going to hopefully get you um, that number. Our experiences it tends to get between uh, two and three offers versus the one offer that you're going to experience if you don't do the work. So. You know, I, I just want to ask the question because I know a lot of people want to ask the question to a realtor and we have one in front of us. I mean, why it's a hot market. Why should I hire a realtor? Why can't I just do it myself or why should I not do it myself? I think the market's moving at such a pace um, um, that you're going to miss out on some really key items. The biggest thing is pricing. I think you think you're going to maximize your pricing, but you're probably going to leave dollars on the table. Last year, uh, so our association here for uh, the MLS, it's in nine counties, not just Dane County, but they take Dane, and there's a few north and most of them southwest of here. Um, we watch what's happening for the for sale by owner market and uh, flat fee service market, meaning that they'll pay just a fee to have their stuff serviced, but they still have to do all their negotiations, staging, marketing, all that stuff. They're getting uh, typically 80 forget what the total percentage, it's upper 80s percentage of the total dollar market value. So they're leaving money on the table. It's it's 8 to 9% they're leaving on the table. So you don't hire us, you have the chance of leaving that money, statistically speaking, on the table, literally on the table. So you hire us and even at 6% of the total cost of selling a house, you leave 10% on the table, you still made 4% more by hiring a broker telling you the right things to do. Well, we had Brian Smith in here too, and we were talking about mortgage, doing mortgages and and him being more the mortgage loan officer and the process and the paperwork. And, you know, a lot of times it, it looks easy or, or the perception is that it's an easy sort of thing. And, and I just say, well, that means that your realtor, your mortgage loan officer is good at what they do because they're able to kind of suppress all of that as much as they possibly can and keep it off the client. So the easier the transaction looks, in all likelihood, the better job that they're doing. Absolutely. And I, I think you said it really well is that we we do suppress as much as we can off of the client. Not not withholding information, just we don't want them to feel the pressures and the things that are there because they don't need it. It doesn't affect the transaction. It doesn't help them in any way. So we, we try to buffer and uh, maneuver as much of the information as possible without, again, harming them without lack of information. You still are going to be informed, but like you said, you should feel like you're gliding through the pool, not like you've got a 10-pound weight strapped to your waist and that you're tr- trying to struggle to get to the other side. That's that's not the intent of hiring a professional. Can you talk a little bit about what somebody should have, how they should be prepared before they come and see you, especially in the market that we're in right now? It's moving as fast as, uh, as, as Brian said yesterday, as he's, as he's ever seen, and, and potentially um, you might echo those same sentiments. So with that being said, what do people need to have before they come walking into your office? Because I know that that can be a frustration if people just come in and they've not seen a lender yet, they don't really know where they're at, and they think they're, gonna, they're just going to walk in and buy the first house they find. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, buyers, we do a lot of prep. Um, and before they even, actually when they first contact us, we send them a form to fill out. Um, we've been able to convert it to online, so it's really nice. You just check out most of the information that we need anyways to make an offer. What's your legal name, birth date, cell phones, emails, right? All the basics that we may not have that information. And then you're looking at, I'm really interested in what you need, right? Like what are your basic needs? And then what's like the big wish list? Because I can hit needs easier than I can hit this wish list of things that are just not realistic, right? I also want to know, have you met with a lender? 
Have you met with an insurance person? If you're meeting with a lender, insurance, all of that before you meet with me, you're so much more prepared to buy a house tomorrow than if you walked into me and you've never met anybody. Now you're talking 20 to 30 days, gathering paperwork, getting uh, proper uh, information uh, authorized, going through your insurance agent to make sure that you got everything that you need on that side. Everybody thinks they can do it the last second and do Geico or whatever and press a button and voila, I got homeowner's insurance. It's, It's not how it works. It takes weeks. Uh, to get that uh, uh, paperwork prepared. So um, Ryan, actually, his group, uh, Waterstone, does a really nice job of they go beyond the pre-approval process. They call it full. They call it pre-approval plus, which I think they need to come up with a better name. But um, they fully underwrite the loan. So they underwrite it to the point and before funding. So what, what that means is, is that they've verified, they've done all the appropriate um, steps they need to take other than doing an appraisal. They basically are waiting for your accepted offer and appraisal, and then they underwrite the loan. They can do it in 16 days. Like, what lenders are out there doing that for you? Because if I write a contract that I can say I can have your loan commitment in, let's say, I give them buffer 20 days versus another realtor who's writing it 35, 40 days, I'm getting my offer accepted. So that's why being prepared is so important um, on that lending side. Um, on the other side, <clears throat> working with us, we have, a, we have a team. So we have multiple people looking at your account and what you need. And you can chat with us from 8 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. You can chat. And we usually don't answer our phones after that time because nothing can happen after 8 o'clock, right? Nobody wants to review contracts. Nobody's answering their cell phone or emails, or they shouldn't be. Um, and so we, what we do is we have that cutoff point. But in, in amongst that time, you can get a hold of anybody on our team. There's five people, and you can ask them at any moment, can I get a showing? Do you have more information on this property? Hey, I saw my search. Can you change it for me? Um, so there's, there's just all that prep and teamwork that happens that if you have that, the success of buying that house is going to happen so much faster that if you just come in there and you don't have any preparation. But again, that's why you work with a pro that can get you into that spot. How have you seen that? Uh, and first of all, I'm sure Ryan Smith loves the fact that you have advertised you can do loans in such a short period of time and everything. I'm sure he loves that. Exactly. <laughs> I heard guaranteed is what I heard. Is that what I said? Uh, uh, Ryan Smith has more gray hair now after listening to this. So, um, no. Uh, and how how have you seen buyers um, coming in with the advent of Zillow and Trulia and more internet lead programs? Um, you know, how does that impact your business? Um, we haven't seen a huge impact in our business. We don't focus on it a ton. We do a ton of business through our past clients and referral partners. Um, that's, I mean, a 90, it was like 96% of our business was coming through there, 4% through the internet. So Zillow, Realtor.com, our own personal websites that we have. We'll see some of that business. What we find is they're ultra unprepared. Um, they have convenience of information, but it, they don't, it's the common problem with internet searching of anything. Do you really know what you have in your hand? Is it is it tr- like full truth? It could be partial truth, but is it full truth? So Zillow shows you only what they have access to, which they don't get um, um, updates on information. They get a one-time data dump from a realtor MLS, like our MLS, which is eight counties. They get that information dumped once, okay? And it takes 72 hours for it to get from my site, which is live all the time, every 15 minutes, to their site, 72 hours. So you just lost three business days, right? Almost three full business days you lost to, to see that house if you're on Zillow or any one of those apps. And I don't think the public knows that, that they're losing. So if they ever, what we typically see is somebody's been searching on their own and they finally listen to someone and say, go hire somebody, 
right? Because they're frustrated. They go to open houses. The house is already sold before they get there. Is because the Zillow app says it's still for sale, and that's um, that's just deceiving, right? Like you're you're going to think you think that thing's available and it's not. Um, kind of self promotion on our app. Our app is every 15 minutes, no matter who has the property for sale. It's every 15 minutes that sucker's updated and you know the status of that property. So if you're searching for something and you check it in the morning and you want a showing for the afternoon, you would get notified if it sold prior to you even going. So I think the advantage of that in a market like this with the uh, inventory right now is around a month. It's normally six to eight months. So it's it's such a re- – yeah, right? When I say that, it's so exhausting to say that because – that's how people feel. They like they feel like the wind's been sucked out of their sails. Is that they think they're going to just step right in and buy a house, and it's like, no, you're one of 15 people who want to buy that. So how are you going to be the most successful? Well, it can be price. I can tell you that's not always the the winner. Sometimes it's terms, right? I can get my financing done in 20 days. I'm not going to put an appraisal contingency in there, right? I'm going to do things that are going to make me successful that pretty much make me look like cash. So essentially what you're saying, and, and I think that that's important for people to understand, especially in this market, because I think everybody's kind of waiting for the wind to come out of this out of this market, and it doesn't appear as though, I mean, you can speak to that. I mean, it's, it's been going what, no. two, two or three years now, right? It's been it's going been, since 2012. Sure. And that's when it was slowly there. It was about uh, four to five months of inventory, and we've been creeping and reducing that inventory over that six years. And now I think this is going to stay this way for unless the, the rates or something happen in the economy that shifts the market, I honestly don't believe we'll stop for the next two to three more years. I, so think, I think it's, it's just that way. I mean, I, I, what I'm hearing from you is people need to go into this understanding that, um, I, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, it's, it's almost going to be a battle. I mean, you're going to have to go into it and understand that you're not going to be able to necessarily buy the first house that you want to buy, right? Mm-hmm. You might have to look at multiple houses. You might have to understand that you, know, you can get beat out on these things. I mean, it's a different market than I think people that haven't bought you know, since 12 and 13, I don't know that they understand that, uh, that that's the reality of what we're facing today. You might have stayed in the real estate market if it would have been this hot, Nate. I probably would have, actually, if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> when I was selling real estate in college, when was that? That was 95 to 90, no, uh, yeah, 95 to 99, and it was not like that. <laughs> not that hot. It got hot in 2000 to 06. That yeah. was the hot period. I jumped in in 03, so right in the middle is when I started, and this does not even come close to compare to the speed. Uh, I thought like I'd never see that market again, and it is so fast uh, right now. So the whole professional talk, the reason you need the pro is not just the negotiation pieces. It's the understanding of how to get prepared, how to make an offer, how to have the awkward conversation with your boss. Hey, I'm going to buy a house, so if I need to skip out at 10 a.m., I'm not going to be at work because i got to buy a home. There's so limited inventory, right? And if, if you're uncomfortable having that conversation with your boss, I call people's bosses for them and say, hey, guess what? John Smith, he's going to go buy a house. And here's how we're going to have to do that because of the market, right? Be excited for him or her or whoever we're having a conversation. And most of the time, I would say almost every time, I don't remember a boss saying, no, that's not acceptable. How do you not get excited for your employee, right? Like, holy, that's awesome. I'm glad they're going to buy a house. Sure, works for me. As long as they're getting their work done, they can skip out during the day. That's fine. I totally get what the market's doing right now. Now, is there a point in the market where it kind of slows down and the purchases aren't as, aren't as fast? Typically, it's the winter. Uh, we went up until the last week of the year, um, and then you can't really close. 
um, in, a, in a week unless you have cash. And that's still tough to put title because of uh, how the holidays and New Year's were all like so close together this year in terms of business days. So it was really hard to do. So yeah, up to the last uh, last week, we were busy, um, pretty pretty good pace. Uh, we had um, nine closings in December, which is you normally have one or two. Um, and then January, I, I gave the team two weeks off. We came back January 3rd and bam, doors opened up and uh, we had five quick sales in the beginning of January and now we're booked out um, February, we have seven, we have a few already in March and our client list has just grown at such a pace. And so I feel really blessed to say that, not, not a, not a bragging moment, but it's just, we took 15 listings and we got about, about roughly 15 buyers, not all have committed yet, but you know, we have 30 some, 30 some plus our original closing. So almost half of our business will be done by March. And uh, so what year. about the the price points? Where is that kind of price point where things slow down then? Yeah, we're um, we're noticing the halt right around half a million dollars. Um, and and that's not everywhere. That's location specific. So if you're inside of, let's say, Whitney Way heading to downtown, you're probably closer to that seven, 750 is your half a million if you'd be outside the Beltline. So... Um, that's really the marker to watch is half a million. If you're on the most, most of the market is where it kind of really slows down. And it's that between that price point and about seven, seven fifty, And then it really slows down from seven fifty above up in the million dollar plus range. So we're not going to see Charlie Will's million dollar listing TV show anytime soon. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could get an attitude and maybe slick my hair back and get uh, a spray tan and it might work. But, uh, but yeah, I know I'm, uh, I'm good with where we are and I'm really actually excited that we're not in that market. Um, I, I like where we're at. The prices aren't completely out of control. We're only growing at about a 6% in terms of pricing. Now, again, that's market total. Um, that's neighborhood specific. If you're going, again, Whitney way down, you can look at 10 to 15% growth in pricing because people are moving into the market closer and closer because it costs so much to do everything else, right? If they have to drive everywhere all year, it's going to cost them more in gas and other things. So they like walkability. So most most people are taking the half a million to $600,000 budget and they're moving closer, not further away. So it's really interesting to watch this ebb and flow through the, the city. So what does the time frame look for or look like in those other price points? So you know, I, I'm assuming that below 500,000, we were talking about literally days. I mean, and again, this is hard to say mm-hmm. is a blanket statement. I realize, yep. but, um, I think those are probably measured in days. Correct. So from 500 to 750 or even plus 750, are we talking about it's taking a few weeks to sell those homes or is it more like a few months to sell those yeah, homes? months, six to nine months Okay, to sell okay. those houses? Um, we had a couple $600,000, uh, properties listed last year and it took between six and eight months to sell those. And the sellers are like, oh, the market's hot. And I'm like, market's hot-ish, right? Like it's hot to a set point. And where this house was located for six, anything under four would have sold in a week. Between that four and six is where we struggle, where five is really the cutoff. And so being able to show them statistically what that looks like, specific for their area, uh, what's really nice, again, there's there's an application we have that I can show you on a map every single sale that has happened in the last six to nine months right around your house and why it sold for what it did, right? So we can look at terms of the contract, if there were credits, if there were inspection items. I can I can tell you why they got full price or they got 20000 over, right? I can give you those de- uh, details where before it was like, oh, I'll look at an MLS sheet and I don't really know what's really happening. Or I heard my neighbor say that so-and-so sold for 10000 under. Well, 
lot of times it's it's nothing but hearsay, right? Like everybody's just giving their word of mouth and sometimes people over-exaggerate about their position. So it's easy to show exactly what's happening. And I, the person that I had at 600,000, I just said, look, hold on. We're going to be here for six to nine months. Work together. Be patient. It'll be okay. And I saw all of the sales happen in these months. And what was weird, the last two years, all the sales above half a million sold between August and October. All of them. I don't know why. I don't know what was happening in that neighborhood. Just had been. I said, well, be prepared. The first three or four months, I don't think we're going to get much activity. Once August hits, I bet you we do. September, we got an offer. Didn't come together. October, we got another offer. Done. Closed in November. So it was just, it was awesome to see the trends. And you can share those trends if you know what the market is. And so, general, you're right. Under half a million, you're pretty safe. But your your professional, your realtor should know what is happening in my neighborhood specifically. On yesterday's podcast, it was revealed to the world that I'm a millennial. <laughs> and there are a lot of millennials that are in the market. I don't market. think the podcast proved that you were a millennial. <laughs> I think that was pretty well known before. <laughs> fact. Uh, you were born between... No. <laughs> and, and I try to ask some of the questions that some of these millennial home buyers and sellers might be mm-hmm. interested in. And, and some, of, some of the, the questions that people wonder about are fees, right? Is that the... Is it the buyer that's paying the fees? Yeah. Is it the seller? And if you could just talk a little bit briefly on that, I think that would be helpful to some of the listeners. Beautiful lead-in. Um, you're absolutely correct. And the uh, answer after I give this answer to your question, I always hear, well, why, why wouldn't I hire a realtor? Um, and I'll go backwards on this. So the buyer uh, signs an agreement um, for a percentage. Let's just call it 3% uh, of the sale price. What's really nice, and Clint just experienced this, is that in the sales contract to purchase something, it says the seller will cover your said fee in your agreement. So that's great. You got a professional for $0. The seller, through their proceeds, paid for that fee. That's amazing. How? Where else can you get that kind of service to buy a home that's you only do maybe two times in your entire life for free. And let me just jump in on that. For, not every state is like that, correct, Charlie? Uh, you no, know, you're right. And they're also varying amounts. So okay. I would say a majority of um, majority of states, just because I know a lot of people in different states, majority of them are between, I've heard, 5 and 8% throughout the whole country, right? And that's usually what a listing fee is. And then that is split between anywhere between 50-50 of that fee and 60-40 of that fee. That's a pretty normal trend where 60 goes to the listing side and 40% of that total fee uh, goes to the buyer side to, to cover the representation. So in this area, I've only the only instances that you would be on the hook as a buyer which again, you're, you're asking somebody for their professional service is for sale by owner. Is the only place that um, that particular seller is not guaranteeing the payment. Now in our market, all of them pay, right? They're like, well, I don't have to do all that paperwork and title and all that and that realtor's gonna do that for only 3% when I would have had to pay them 6%. Cool, I'll pay that, right? So we don't see it a lot. If we do get it an issue, I think we only had it, about two years ago, we had it become a point of contention during negotiations. So I was like, well, I said I'm not paying a fee. And I said, great, buyer, let's just take 3% off the price, and then you pay me 3% at closing. Sound fine? Fine. Net issue, right? And they were totally fine with it. Like, it's like we're not going to get it here, so let's just negotiate the price down because they don't know what they're doing, right? They don't know what the value is. I'm representing you, so let's get the value down, and then you just pay me back that at closing, right? As an, again, we always try to make everything net. So 
in a negotiation, never get flustered or worried or concerned about something because it's always going to be a net issue. So try to figure out what those net dollars are and then how you want to handle it. Let's, uh, let's close on this one, if you would, Charlie. Yeah. Um, can you just briefly talk about how bad emotion can affect uh, a transaction like this and how the best way people can, can kind of keep that somewhat in check or at least at bay so that they can not do a disservice to themselves? Yeah, uh, I think through education. So your, your broker, your realtor, should be able to educate you fully through the process. What is an inspection going to look like? How do I negotiate an inspection? What can I negotiate? Right. So in an inspection, you can negotiate defects only. If there's caulk missing in the bathroom, that's not a defect. It doesn't devalue the home. Uh, I'm going to have to do it later, so it's my time, but it's not a devaluation of the property. So talking through those contingencies, what does appraisal mean? How is it going to affect you? If you educate someone that emotion typically doesn't show up because they know what to expect when those things come down the road. In this market, the buyer has very little uh, leniency in terms of things that they get. Just know that you're probably not, you're getting a home. That's what you get to win. You're not going to win the negotiations. You're going to win a home. So we try to set that mindset up front that that's just what's going to be like. So I, I think education solves the emotion. And beyond that, that's again what your realtor is there for. I'm going to shield if I get a screaming phone call from the other broker or seller and they are saying something nasty and negative about my client just because they're misreading uh, communication or negotiations, I'm not sharing that. There's no need to share that. That doesn't improve the situation whatsoever. So that's, again, another space because if not, you're going to have to handle that emotion of that person by yourself. And a lot of times people don't want to deal with it or put up with it. And then it becomes an emotional, everybody digs their heels in. So it's really good to have, again, a professional to be able to put themselves aside of what's happening, think about the bigger picture, and then and give their client uh, uh, the, the, the total view on what's happening. Yeah, I can speak from personal experience on that because we had our first um, accepted offer fall through. And Charlie coached us through it, and I, I thought it was a, a great way that he did it. Coached us through it and said, hey, there's going to be another offer right around the corner. You know, we'll just put our head down, do another showing, few showings, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. It's almost like he has an athletic background. Yeah. Almost. Exactly. Yeah. Knows how to win. Right. Right. I think he's a golfer. Mm, I wouldn't call golfer. I like to hit things with a that include a stick and a ball, but... <laughs> he just told me that he got golf clubs long enough for himself. Finally. Yes. Well, oh, that was the problem then. That is part of the problem, <laughs> I would say. amazing difference, I can tell you that. I don't have to bend over. And you can reach the ball now. That, yeah. that does help when you can reach the ball. <laughs> yeah, now I'm totally relaxed when I'm playing golf. I'm not stressed out. I feel like my back's hurting. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us, Charlie. We really appreciate you uh, stopping by here. Thank you. And uh, we thought this was a very informative episode of Give Me Some Truth. And, uh, you know, leave some comments for us or send us a message if you had a transaction close this year. We'd love to hear about it. So... Thank you very much, and we'll uh, catch you in the next episode.
Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Walkner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC, are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.